Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney, and I'm flying solo for this episode number eight, where we're reviewing Inspector. As always, there will be spoilers throughout the episode, so you've been warned. Inspector. First of all, great play on words. I-N slash Spectre, like the ghost. Um, it's, it's a very interesting show. I'm excited to talk about this because I have kind of a a conflicted love-hate relationship with with this show. Um, it's 12 episodes. Uh, I think the, the first season, uh, I'm not sure if there will be a season two because it just ended this past weekend. Um, but the plot, which is directly from the wikia, explains um, that while struggling to get past a breakup with his girlfriend, Kuro Sakuragawa was approached by Kotoko Iwanaga, a girl who declared that she was in love with Kuro since a few years ago. She then dumps on him that she is a sort of goddess of wisdom where she serves as an intermediary between the real world and the supernatural world. Kuro, of course, doubts her at first, but after fighting a yokai in a library and revealing to each other their true identities, Kuro is actually a monster that has eaten two different yokai meats, giving him the powers of immortality and near-absolute precognition. Kuro agrees to help Kotoko in, on her various adventures as the peacekeeping goddess of wisdom. So this is a, and I read the plot first before I watched the show and I was like, okay, I'm interested. I also saw a quick snippet or shout out about it in one of Gigguk's YouTube videos where he said that it's a show that um, kind of makes you think. It's kind of like a murder mystery almost, um, or has those vibes, but also follows um, an interesting relationship that, that kind of develops throughout the episode. So I was like, romance plus murder mystery, I'm in. Um, however, I I like the show a lot, but I'm not in love with it. And there's a couple of reasons why. Um, but before I jump into that, let, let me first kind of mention a couple of um, uh, smaller things that, that I either enjoyed or didn't enjoy about the show before I go into some of the full-blown things. So first off, the OP is a banger. That song is fantastic. Um, the visuals are fantastic. I love this opening so, so much. Uh, if I don't like an opening, I'm, I'm one of those who will skip it, and I think most of us are. But this one I watch through every episode. I mean, even just the opening visual with... I think what's probably Iwanaga's eye and kind of the blood rushing through the pupil. I'm like, this is cool. What a cool opening. The ending is, is really cute. Um, I wouldn't say it necessarily fits. It had more of like a Kaguya-sama type feel to it. And I wasn't super into that show. Um, but I, I, I liked the ending in and of itself. I thought it was cute. It played uh, very nicely into their relationship but I, I didn't think it fit this show necessarily. Um, it's also interesting that in the OP, you see Kuro disappear uh, at the end of it, and then in the ending, you see Iwanaga disappear at the end of it, and, and they're standing in their respective spots. Um, so I thought that was unique, although I'm not sure what that really played on um, throughout the show. But overall, really good opening and, and pretty good ending. I love that there are adults in this show. Uh, they're still young, but they're young adults. I think they're in college in this show. Um, so hopefully over 18 years old, hopefully at least over 15 years old, because because as is the case with most um, shonen, although I don't know if you can classify this, classify this as a shonen or maybe a seinen, but uh, it's all about 
people who are much younger than a lot of the viewing audience, at least in the United States. The fact that they're adults in the show is just absolutely amazing because they clearly have an adult-like relationship. Um, they're obviously sleeping together, and uh, Iwanaga's not shy about making her, her jokes, uh, her, her naughty jokes. So I think it's great. I, I love that they're older, and it just is a bit refreshing um, to know that in anime, it is possible to have young feeling characters who don't have to be minors. Um, they are over the age of 18 and that is fantastic. I also really like the way the show is drawn. In particular, I think what stands out to me the most are the female characters' eyes. I love that they draw such like full eyelashes on them and, and their eyes are just very like beautiful and lifted. I'm like, this looks great. I don't I mean, everything looks great about the show, but the eyes in particular, I'm like, huh, I wish my eyes looked like that. Like, they, they did a great job animating the show, um, and I, I really particularly enjoyed the, the way the eyes were drawn. The time skips in this show, um, they're fine. They're a bit confusing at first, because uh, you obviously don't know that there are time skips happening until they start to tell you what, what's going on in that particular situation, and you're like, hang on, this happened before the last situation. Um, there's no clear labeling or, or clear distinction between each of the time skips. So again, like that's, that's kind of confusing. It, it reminds me of the Witcher and those time skips. Cause I was like, what the hell's going on? Um, but they kind of taper off halfway through the show when you reach current day. Um, and it, it was, it wasn't anything horrible. It was slightly confusing in the beginning, but once I kind of realized what was going on, I was like, all right, that's fine. No big deal. When it comes to Kudo, I, really enjoy his character for a multitude of reasons. First of all, he's kind of like a tsundere, I guess you could classify him. Um, and you know, I, I just, I fucking love my male tsundere. It's like that, that's my jam. And he is, he, he's got this interesting sense of humor where he's very blunt, especially with Iwanaga. Um, but it, it comes off in such a, a wonderfully playful way. Their banter is just fantastic. And I, I enjoy his character for, for that reason, but also because he's immortal, but not OP. I, I find that also refreshing because you've got like Saitama and One Punch and, and I know All Might isn't immortal, but man, is he OP. Um, but you've got characters like that, but Kudo has the makings of an OP character without actually being OP. So he's immortal and he can, he can manipulate the future, but he's not necessarily strong. He's just a regular guy with a, a normal amount of strength who doesn't even have proper fighting training, which is pointed out at one point by Iwanaga. Um, and this makes him feel more convincing. This makes him feel more realistic. His fate in life was to be a regular guy, but because of what happened to him and him eating the, the two different types of yokai meat, he now is like thrust into this strange world where he's immortal and can control the future. Um, but he doesn't become super strong because of that, or he doesn't become super smart because of that. He's still just a regular guy who wants to help people and wants to help yokai. Um, and he's got these abilities that he knows how to use, but he doesn't let them define who he is. So I, I thought that his character overall, from his personality to his abilities, to the way that uh, to his dynamic against Iwanaga. Um, I just, I loved everything about him. He's a great character. Iwanaga, on the flip side, is also a really good character, but I I felt like she's always in control. Um, and it's not really a, a, a diss on her character. It's more a diss on the plot. I, there's, 
there's no real conflict here. Like the story is interesting and, and it's very thought provo provoking, especially when they go through these, you know, multiple scenarios that, that could have played out in these various situations. But there's never a feeling of major conflict. There's never a moment where Iwanaga feels like, I don't got this. I don't need, I, I need help. Like, I, I don't think I can overcome this. She's got it all the time. She, she's always at an advantage, always has the upper hand, always knows how to overcome any situation. I get that plays into her being the goddess of wisdom. Like, yes, she should know what to do all the time, but there has to be a way to provide more conflict for her and Kudo. I mean, again, like they're, they're, they have the makings of OP characters, but they shouldn't necessarily be o OP. Otherwise, what's the point in watching this show when you can probably predict the outcome? I felt the only time Iwanaga was ever, I guess, in a less than advantageous situation was when it came to something physical. Um, for example, when they're fighting that monster in the library, she's got it in her mind, but Kudo can see past that and, and sees that she doesn't have it in that moment. Like she can think, right? But she's not a fighter. And this monster is a physical threat. So he steps in to protect her and even draws her in closer, which is super cute um, because she already has a crush on him and she's like, oh, okay. Um, but that that is when he is able to help her. And that's the only time really that she's at a disadvantage. They, they play nicely together. Their two characters are, are really nice together because he's the physical person and she's the mental person, right? Like she's able to think through every situation and he kind of follows her lead and he's there to protect her from the inevitable dangerous situation she's going to get herself into. And he does comment on that, I think in the second to last or last episode of the season. Um, so again, really, really great dynamic there, but I just, it's like a ton of exposition, a ton of like going through these, these hypothetical situations that you know, aren't going to play out anyway. And there's never that, that conflict. Like I need that conflict to be drawn into the show. Um, we need that conflict to feel like there's something worth watching. Like how will this all play out. Otherwise, again, you're just going to be able to predict like, oh, they'll be fine. She can just think her way through it. And speaking of the exposition, my God, is there a lot of exposition in this show? Um, it's, it's just, I, I didn't mind it up until we got to the Steel Lady Nanase arc where they spent like, what, a whole three to four episodes on, again, these hypothetical situations that were just thought of by Iwanaga, but there really wasn't any counterpoints to kind of force her hand. It was just like people were commenting saying, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Or no, it doesn't make sense. But if enough people weren't convinced, she had to come up with a different scenario. But like there was no one who stepped up to the plate and said, well, here's what's wrong with that, that that scenario that you've come up with, or here's what's wrong with your theory. Now you got a little bit of that. I'm not, I'm not saying there wasn't any at all. Like some of the people and, um, uh, the sister whose name escapes me, or I guess she's not a sister, a cousin. Um, they, they, I guess, challenged her to a small degree, but there was nobody who came up as a big challenge saying this is completely wrong. It was just more people didn't believe it. And that was enough to make her move on to the next scenario. I just, the, I almost checked out of the show during the Steel Lady Nanase arc. I, I, 
I couldn't sit through it. I mean, I did. I sat through it, but I, I, I couldn't get in, invested into what was happening. Every time Kudo came on screen and was fighting her, I was like, okay, this is a little more interesting now, but just seeing her type away on a computer and just tell these, these stories that you know are absolutely not true. I'm like, I don't need to hear this. Can you just tell me what the outcome is? Do they defeat her or not? Cause I'm, I'm over it. And I feel like they could have condensed all of that into one, maybe two episodes if she didn't have four scenarios to go through. Um, just give us one or two. Like, let's let's do that. Let's condense it and let's let's focus more on some of the other yokai or on Kuro and Iwanaga's relationship. Like, that would have been more interesting um, than, than spending a huge chunk of time on Steel Lady Nanase. And not only that, but I think it was episode 11 when that, that arc finally ended, and it ended on a huge cliffhanger. As I mentioned in the last podcast episode, I have a love-hate relationship with, with cliffhangers. I mostly hate them, but, you know, they, they draw you in. They make you want to see more. I get the point of them. But that was just, like, the most, like, unsatisfactory cliffhanger I've experienced in a long time. I was like, finally, this arc is done. We've gone through her four scenarios the exposition is coming to or exposition is coming to a wrap and they, they just end it that's it and I'm like oh my god now I have to wait till the next episode to actually see something of substance so that was really frustrating for me um was towards the end of the season the last thing I want to mention about this show which I, I purposely saved for last is the relationship between Kudo and Iwanaga I've I've touched on this a little bit already um, but I love their relationship. Like that, that's what kept me coming back to the show episode after episode was the relationship that they had going on. Because in the beginning, it's clear that Kuro doesn't care about Iwanaga, but Iwanaga has these feelings for him and, and she's so funny about it. Um, she's like so unapologetic with her, her feelings for Kuro. And with the time skips a bit confusing, but as the relationship grows, you find out they are actually together. It's no longer like she feels like a stalker and just wants to be with him and he just is playing hard to get, but they're actually dating. But they make you, they lead you to believe the whole time that perhaps his hand was forced when it comes to dating Iwanaga, that maybe he's doing this because he feels guilty or because he feels like he owes her something or there was something that maybe they hadn't revealed where, you know, he's obligated to be with her. And then episode 12 happens and you find out that they, they're meant to be together because he cares about her. It's not that he felt like he, you know, had to, to date her and is actually miserable. That's just his personality. Um, that's who he is, that that's his, his sense of humor. Um, and she, she's fine with that and she cares for him despite that. And, and she's accepting of that. Um, and I just, I love, I love their dynamic. Like she's so open. She's so obviously in love with him, um, and just wants to genuinely be with him. And he reveals that he feels similar to her, that he cares about her, that he wants her to be happy. Uh, he wants to protect her with everything that he's got. Um, and that even the, oh my God, the girlfriend whose name escapes me. Hang on. Let me look this up really quick, guys. Saki. That's her name. Um, even Saki realizes that, yeah, they're meant to be together. He's actually genuinely happy with, with her and he, he's more of him, himself. I think because he no longer feels alone knowing that there is somebody else who understands this world of yokai and, and, and spirits and, and monsters, um, that someone else who has, you know, powers like him, albeit different powers, um, he's able to connect with her on a more realistic level and, 
and, and can really truly be himself. Um, I think that's pointed out maybe at one point in the show. I, I can't remember who who exactly talks about it, but when he was with Saki, you could tell that he was very buttoned up and, and behaved like a normal human being. Um, and then it was revealed later that that's not really who he is. He just was that way when he was with Saki. Not to say that he didn't care about her, that she didn't care about him, um, but he probably felt like he had to behave in this way because he couldn't or wouldn't reveal who he truly is to her. And then he's he's with Iwanaga and finds somebody who's who's familiar with this this life and familiar with these powers and he can finally just unwind, relax, and be himself. And who he is is great and who she is is great. Um, they have a an adult relationship and, and they're very open about it and she's got these funny, funny quips and like, you know, very naughty jokes that she says to him, which I think we can probably relate to, you know, being so comfortable with somebody that you can say things like that um, and, and not feel embarrassed or hesitant to do so. It's They're at that level in their relationship where they can just be so open in that way. Um, so from, from the powers that they have complementing each other to their own just regular personalities complementing each other, I really enjoyed the relationship. I loved the reveal at episode 12, um, you know, that, that they both genuinely care about each other and that it's an even playing field and I love that they took us on that small ride of saying like does he really want to be with her or is he stuck with her um I thought it was great and and if there is a season two that's really what's going to bring me back to watch some more is is that relationship and seeing that develop but also I would say you know to be fair not not only their relationship but also um you know seeing more of the the yokai and in, in, in that world that they um that they help kind of uh protect uh, th- those two things I think will, will bring me back in. I just hope to God that there's slightly less exposition and a little more action or um, just other other things going on um, where we can, I, at least I can feel invested in because that Steel Lady Nanase arc, I was, like I said, I was so close to just checking out of the show, but I was like, I'm, I think I'm only a few episodes away from the end. Let me just stick with it and, and see how this all unfolds. So those are my thoughts on Inspector. Again, I liked it a lot. I wasn't in love with it. Um, I would be interested in seeing a season two, but I wouldn't be heartbroken if there wasn't a season two. Um, I thought it wrapped up nicely, at least in the way that that was satisfactory to me because we got a nice little, you know, wrapped up in a, in a pretty bow type of ending when it comes to Kuro and Iwanaga's relationship. That's really what I wanted to see at the end of the day um, was getting a better understanding of who what the fuck there is going on with the relationship and just confirm that they're actually together and they actually care about each other and I got that piece of it um and and I'm fine with that I'm fine with that and and I could take it or leave it at this point um I don't regret watching it I I would recommend it if someone's okay with a lot of exposition um but uh I I wouldn't call this the type of anime that I'll rewatch. Um, or I'm dying to see another season of. So yeah, those are my thoughts. Um, quick special thanks to Super Newt Ensemble for the jingle that you hear at the beginning and the end of this podcast. Um, and appreciate you guys listening. And we'll uh, we'll see you in the next one. Mm-hmm.